Monday, guys. Monday, Monday. Here we go, another week. 168 hours ahead of you. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do? What are you do with those hours you got stacked up waiting for you? 168 hours until this time next week. What can you fit into the day? What can you fit in the week? What can you fit in those hours? Is the question, how can you make your friends, family, coworkers, your organization better, more secure, more resilient, uh, ready to face the day? What can you do? What can you do for the community? That's what I'm asking. Uh, we have, uh, we have uh, a list of things to look at this morning. Always. Monday, Monday, Monday. It's Monday, bloody Monday. We do have... Uh, we're going to look take a look at ransomware. And ZDNet has a couple articles out. Uh, first one is on ransomware. And it's really, really taking a look, a long-term look at, you know, what can we do about it and I'm talking about just me and you I'm talking about as a society what can we do about it globally what do we need to do to get under control the second one from ZDNet is talking about a patch that you need to do if you haven't done it yet I hope you've done it already but this is so critical CISA from Homeland Security has put an emergency notice on this thing and top of your list, uh, well, not top, I guess it will be the bottom. Last thing we talk about today is TikTok. TikTok in a way. It was supposed to be banned last night. Uh, gets a reprieve. There's some plans in the works. It's a tangled mess, if you ask me. It's a tangled mess of a bunch of things, politics being one of them. So uh, definitely one of the things we need to talk about. Eric, a good Monday morning to you. It's good to see you this morning. Hopefully everything's going well. I see that you and Alex had had a chance to connect last week. That's good. Um, final touches are being made on the mentorship page on Cyber Recon. That'll be connected and up and running today. So you should see that today. Place to go. If you want to be a mentor, good to play, place to go. If you think you want to be a mentor, a good place to go. If you want to be a mentee, I guess, mentee, someone mentored, um, good place to go get signed up, get hooked up. So, good, good morning, Eric. So I'm glad that happened. Glad, glad to make that connection. Alex, great guy. Great, great guy. So we do have a few things to talk about. Also, it's World Gratitude Day or National Gratitude Day. Some gratitude day. Just saying thank you. And it's thank you to you guys. Thank you to you guys for watching the channel. Thank you guys for subscribing. Hitting that bell to be notified. Thank you for sharing with your friends. Thank you for commenting and liking the videos. Does help keep us moving forward. Uh, you see that I'm nice and bundled up this morning. Cold weather's coming. I just can't bring myself yet to turn the heater on, I can't. So I got a big hot cup of Illy coffee in a Boston cup. Let's get the intro rolling and let's talk about today's news. Mm -hmm. 
do 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 groovy guitar music in the morning so the first thing first thing up on the docket today thought we'd lead with tiktok now we'll leave tiktok for the end uh yeah, there's a zdnet article obviously down there in the show notes below um it's funny uh, I love the the drum. Don't get me wrong. I understand the 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 dangers of ransomware, and it's awful. It's awful. We have to do something. Have to do something about it. We just have to. Got to do something about ransomware. So the, the article, the cruel march of ransomware has apparently reached a grim new milestone, and it is setting. This is a, this is a terrible piece of news, though. Uh, just funny how they reach, read into the march, this marching ransomware grimly forward. Um, but Germany, German authorities are investigating the death of a patient during a ransomware attack on a hospital. According to reports, the woman who needed urgent medical care died after being rerouted to a hospital further away as the nearer hospital was in, in the midst of dealing with a ransomware crisis. So that is terrible. That's terrible, terrible news. Um, awful that she died. Awful. How did the... How did we get to this state? Um, elsewhere in the ransomware continues... Ransomware continues to create painful, less tra tragic disruptions. The U... K's cybersecurity agency has just warned that ransomware groups are launching reprehensible attacks against universities as the new academic year starts. On a daily basis, companies, large and small, are finding their businesses disrupted when they can least afford to have computer systems failing. And yet, there seems to be some sense seems to be a sense in some quarters that ransomware is simply an inevitable consequence of doing business in our digital age that is something we have to learn to accept that's how the article launches from from zdnet and obviously yeah that that's that's all so true um and it is easy to see how deaths could be tied to ransomware attacks when we look at them this way uh, even with systems, some systems, some hospital systems being taken offline and being unavailable. It's, it's dangerous. Challenging, challenging times. So um, I'm going to get this guy's name, this per person's name. Steve Ranger wrote this, this article. Um, and I think Steve Ranger, great name, Steve Ranger. Should be uh, some superhero's alter ego. He um, starts out with the stuff we know. You know, there's four points he makes, right? The four points. First one is make paying the ransomware the absolute last resort. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Make it the last resort. But um, sorry, I got something in my eye today. There are some cases where how far out is the last resort? The last resort may be early, early in the game. Um, Kevin is joining us this morning. Morning, Kevin. Good to see you on the stream. Nice to see you up, up, ready to take on your Monday. 
So again, it goes on, uh, you know, one of the fundamental issues allow, that allows ransomware to flourish is it remains lucrative for the gangs because victims will pay up. And it's entirely understandable that victims pay up, especially when the alternate is going out of business or paying much more to restore data on computer systems. And it's just not, we've got to break away from this thought that it's just ransomware. And it's not just ransomware. Most of them, I think the, the rare, it's the rare occasion that ransomware actors do not steal your data first and then come at you with this double-pronged attack. And the first prong is pay the ransom and we'll unlock your data. And the second prong is if you don't pay the ransom and unlock your data on your own, we're going to post the data on our website, on the dark web, or on the internet. So you kind of, you know, let's say you can, let's say you did do the three, two, one plan, right? You have three different backups. You have it on two different types of media and one of them is offline and you can recover. Your data's back. You're up in business. You're operational again. That's half of the battle. Generally, normally, in the majority of the cases now, the other half of this attack you have to deal with is that data being released to the public. And that sometimes is not acceptable. Sometimes it's PII, sometimes it's trade secrets, sometimes it's uh, internal documentation, sometimes it's it's just who knows what. Stuff you don't want on the internet uh, and a combination to all the above. So that's the other side of it. So yeah, making paying, paying ransomware, obviously, if you pay the ransomware, the ransomware actors will continue to do the attacks that make them the money. Um, the article also goes on saying, if other criminal actors see that ransomware is making money, they'll jump into the game too. So obviously we don't want to pay the ransomware. We don't want to, but we have to, right? Sometimes we have to. And it is becoming a cost of doing business. Sometimes it's just added to the bottom line. Um, obviously there's insurance for this. So you get insurance and you just plow ahead and you do your thing. Um, we'll talk about one of the things. First thing is just to, we talk about this a lot, the kill chain, right? Uh, Lockheed Martin's copyrighted trademark cyber kill chain. The further to the left we can stop the bad guy, the better off we are, right? And that's one of the points we're going to make here later. But if we stop them from getting in in the first place, then we don't have to worry about them stealing the data or encrypting the data. So we've got to stop them to the left of the kill chain, right? If we're talking about bow tie risk analysis, we got to stop them on the left side of that bow tie. We got, and I've got to keep remembering I'm backwards on the screen. On the left side of the of the kill chain, the left side of the bow tie. Um, so that's the big thing. We stop them from getting in in the first place. That's that's big. So that's. Um, that's what he's saying here in his fourth point, make security practical. You know, too many, too much software shipped with holes, and we'll talk about that too. Um, complex systems are being knitted together, and they're not being knitted together very well. There's gaps, there's holes. Um, we've got we've got to get better at basic security. And I, get, I, I've talked to you guys before about this asymmetric warfare group that when I was in the army, I had a time, a chance to deal with. I, they came and did some training with us. Um, training for us, and they 
they're operators from some of the top units in the in the army, right? They the, the special forces guys, the ranger guys, the the um, OD Delta, technically you know operational detachment Delta. The media likes to call them guys Delta Force, right? But they come and they just say the the difference between a normal what they call a normal soldier and a special operator, like somebody in special forces, other than some of the training they get, but just doing the basics so well they don't think about it anymore. You got to we got to take that same concept and bring it over, and we have to tune our processes so the basics of security just happen without thinking about them. That's antivirus. That's patch management. That's end user education. We have to permeate our organizations with this notion of security. And that's going to be the last article we talk about when we talk about TikTok. I, I, and I know you, there's, there's all kinds of different ideas about that one. But we have to make security practical. we got to make security easy. And the way we make that easy in an organization is getting our processes defined. Make them easy to follow. Clearly illustrate what needs to be done to secure a system, right? With ransomware, there's three big ways these folks are getting in. That's RDP connections that are open to the internet. That's vulnerable VPN connections, right? Things that aren't patched. And it's end users that click the link. We gotta stop all those three. Those are, those are all in our realm somehow. Um, now if we jump to the, the, the top of the article, right? Uh, the first two points I made, I, I started with the one I wanted to start with. I didn't start in their order, so sue me, I guess. Um, policing versus politics, right? Let me read this. Many of these gangs operate from countries where their behavior is either not considered criminal or overlooked by authorities as long as they don't attack local companies, i.e., that's kind of Russia's mantra, um, or even actively welcome as sources of new funds, North Korea. Um, that means treating ransomware as a simple law enforcement issue is never likely to fix the problem. These states will never hand over the gangs to outside justice. This makes ransomware a political issue as much as a problem for policing. Politicians should make it clear to these governments that allowing these gangs to flourish on their soil are part of the problem, which is good in theory. Theoretically, it's good. Countries like North Korea, and we'll talk about North Korea and its connection to Lazarus. Lazarus operates either inside or outside North Korea's boundaries with immunity because the money that Lazarus makes goes to fund the North Korean regime. So they're never going to stop Lazarus from operating. That's never going to happen, right? Um, the other example is Russia. Some criminal gangs operate in Russia, and the Russian government can turn a blind eye as long as these attacks aren't impacting Russian companies, Russian citizens, Russian organizations. Um, and a lot of times the attacks are happening that support what Russia wants to do anyway. So they just let them, they turn a blind eye and let them do their own thing. So in those two cases, you're, you're never, ever going to stop it just by saying don't do that or running it as a police issue. Do I think the answer is anything like, like we did with terrorism, that we will go after terrorists regardless of where they're at? 
if you are harboring terrorists, we will come and get them in your country. That's that's could be very dangerous. Russia, China, North Korea. But is that the right thing to do? And maybe it's not a physical attack on these folks, right? Um, maybe it's a cyber attack on these folks, you know, and that means moving ransomware up in the, the stack of threats against the United States. You know, and the, 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 the fourth point, I'll, I'll use the right number. The fourth point they make is increase the pressure, and it's tied to this, this policing versus politics. Intell intelligence agencies need, need to make tracking ransomware a priority. While understandably they have focused on state-backed espionage and cyber warfare, understandable, ransomware is now becoming such a problem that greater emphasis needs to be placed on identifying tracking and disrupting these groups. Some effort, efforts like No More Ransomware Project, uh, which offers decryption keys, are a good start, but more effort is needed. Um, so those two kind of kind of tie together. We have to know where the bad guy is. You'd have to know where to hit the bad guy to be able to, to make this uh, bundled in a, a statement like, we will track you and come after you no matter where you're at, right? So if a country like North Korea or China or Russia is backing and protecting these cyber gangs, these criminals that are doing ransomware, should it be U.S. policy that some of our premier agencies that have the ability to attack them from afar across the network are able to do it? Should that be a political point? Should that be a point of the U.S. government? That's that's a good question, right? Could it escalate? Certainly, it could escalate into a physical war, uh, actual war in the physical space. But does something need to be done? Yes, something needs to be done. Because we're at a point now where if you are an organization that holds critical or sensitive or private information and the bad guy gets a hold of it in a ransomware attack, you kind of kind of have to. I don't know how to stay it. You, you shouldn't pay it, but you're going to have to pay it. I don't think you're going to have many options other than playing it. Uh, playing it. <laughs> Paying it. So think about this. We've got this, this, these four points. Policing versus politics. Increased pressure. Um, making security practical. And make, make paying ransom the, the last resort. Those four things, you're in Europe, four things, um, are what Z ZDNet's talking about. We, we got to do something about ransomware. It is not going anywhere. As long as it continues to make money for the bad guy, they will continue to use it against anyone that can pay, really. Any organization that pay. Last week, we started the week talking about Fairfax Public School District, $3.2 billion in their budget every year. They're currently undergoing a ransomware attack. So I guess they, they're heavily into it now. They probably should be on the other side of it. What are they going to do? I, I have not heard if they're going to pay, if they're going to, what, what, what they're going to do. But the school district is huge. And if you were here, we talked about it. It's got like 200,000 students, 180,000, and 25,000 staff members. So that data is all in those systems. Do we know how much they got? We don't know, but they got a lot. 
Uh, it was Maze that got a hold of them. So Maze, their characteristic is lock the ransom, lock the data up, take a copy that you can then pub release to the public later. Definitely a bad, bad thing, guys. Bad, bad thing. And and this third, you know, the lap last point we made on this, right? Make security practical. Part of that is patching, right? And that's what we were talking about in our story number dose uh, this morning, right? A lot shorter story. Um, there, there's a zero logon vulnerability, and it essentially allows someone to take control of a domain controller or a number of domain controllers or, or all of your domain controllers. Um, the CDE is CDE 2020 uh, 1472. It came out last month, I think the 17th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 8-17-2020. So last, 17th of last month, right? This thing has a 10 out of 10 for severity rating. So it's the highest rating you can possibly have in the CVE system. It's got the highest rating. Now, obviously, that can be adjusted locally, but leave it at that. That's the highest, highest rating you can have. It's 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 a part. It's got to be a, another attack has to take place first, right? It's the second phase of an attack. You can only use this in the second phase, right? So you can't use this to attack an organization. But once you've got inside the organization, you can use this thing, this thing, this zero login, to essentially own the domain controller, right? SISA, uh, my one of my favorite organizations with my least favorite name. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Their their name's not doesn't get me. Their their acronym does because it meshes with a a certification in our world. Um, has determined this vulnerability poses an unacceptable risk to federal, civilian, executive branch, um, and requires immediate and emergency action. And this is Emergency Directive twenty zero four. DHS says officials gave federal system administrators till the end of the day Monday, till the end of the day today, to patch all their Windows servers configured as domain controllers. If you've got a domain controller and it's not patched by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time today, it's going to be taken offline, right? Short deadline for applying security updates is primarily due to the ease of exploitation and the severe consequences of successful zero logon attacks. Um, goes on to say, even if zero logon is not one of the vulnerabilities that can't be used at the tip of a spear in a cyber attack and break into a network, the bug is an ideal, ideal secondary payload in the second stage of an attack, allowing attackers full control of an entire network if the domain controller was left unpatched. Um, What's this guy? Um, Andrew Robbins, Adversary Resilience Lead at the cybersecurity firm Spectre Ops, said on Twitter, once an attacker owns your DC domain controller, their persistence options far exceed what even the most advanced organization can hope to recover from. An ounce of patching is worth 10 tons of response. <clears throat> So just, you know, this, 
let's say this is a second, well, it, it is, it's a second stage in the attack uh, of an organization. So you got to get on the network first somehow, local access, another bug, some way of getting in. You get in and then you can attack a domain controller. Domain controller is the key to the world, right? In a Windows world, that's where your passwords are at. That's where your, your Kerberos lives at. Sometimes that's where your DNS is at. All this stuff's on the domain controller. Essentially, if the bad guy gets your domain controller and they own it with a P, right? It's game over for you. It, it's, it's game. You're never going to really recover from that because you're never going to know if you fully recover. You never know what the attacker did. They're going to have access to everything. So this is bad. So if you think about this, the first story today we talked about making sure that um, security is practical, right? Make security practical. Um, one thing, this is a 10 out of 10. So this is a critical patch. Critical patch that was released over a month ago. And it's still live on networks. Now I know there's, there's some networks you're like, I, we, can't, we can't patch certain systems. Especially we talk about operational technology. And this is one of the things I learned, you know, going from the government, going into the private sector. And the government can say, just do it, make it happen. And private sector is a little harder. I, I worked with the pharmaceutical and they made biological drugs. And when you start making a biological drug, there may be a time span. Maybe it's four months that this thing has to grow in a lab. And if you do anything weird, if something weird happens along that chain, you could kill the drug, kill the biological, because it's a living organism. You could be destroying millions, or our, I guess potentially billions of dollars worth a product if you do that. So I can see in the operational technology world, we have to think about things. And obviously in some systems, in places like the DOD and the intelligence community, there are systems that support, you know, operations that could involve loss of life. So we have to think about things like that, but 95 to 99% of things, things, networks are just IP networks, the, within 30 days, within a 30-day window, you can find a time to patch a critical domain controller. So talking about the biological, right, a domain controller shouldn't really be impacting a biological process to, to build a biological drug or something like that. There's, I'd be hard-pressed to say, what are the times that you can't patch your domain controller? And if it's that critical, you should have some redundant set of, of domain controllers, right? You should have a redundant setup if it's that critical, where you can patch one and then patch the others um, later. My problem is, we're at a critical 10 of 10 CVE has been issued. Homeland Security has to come in far after 30 days later. And in my world, if this thing is that bad, you're, you're going to patch it within probably seven days. On the outside, maybe you go to 30 days. Maybe you say, okay, 30 days. That's a long time to have a 10, on, 10 of 10 on your network. Let me know. You guys, you're out there chatting. Let me know, you know, how long would you, this, this thing is the top 
the top rating on a CVE, right? It's 10 out of 10 on the severity score. Critical. How long do you let a critical vulnerability exist on your network? I don't know. I'm, I'm saying not longer than 30 days. I'm saying my world, my perfect world, it'd be less than seven. Seven would be on the outside, especially something like this. Get this thing patched. Now you're at a point, you're over 30 days out, you pushed it off, and now it's got to be done by tonight. Um, I don't know. Making security practical. This is this is a this is an example. The problem is, if you go to the article, read the article, <laughs> right? So let me get to the part. I'm trying to find here somewhere. Okay. Yeah, vulnerability. Microsoft fixes the zero log net zero logon vulnerability uh, in August with the patch. With patch Tuesday, published on a log August 11th. However, many system administrators didn't know how bad the bug was until this week on Monday, when security researchers at Secura published a technical report explaining CVE 2020-1472 at the technical level. This in-depth report was more than enough to allow white hat and black hat hackers, white hat and black hat hackers, said again, white hat and black hat hackers, to create a weaponized proof of concept, zero logon exploit that went public within hours of the secure report. So there's a proof of concept out there. There's code out there in both the good and the bad community. That means the bad guy's coming to get you. They're already armed and ready to come at you. So we talk about that risk. We talk about that basic, basic formula for risk. There's a threat and there's a vulnerability. Those are the two things that equal a risk, right? So the threat. The threat is, in this case, a truly weaponized version of this exploit. And the vulnerability is not having the patch in place. That gives you a true 100% risk here. Bad juju, guys. Bad juju on the on the planet. So that's what we get. Patching. Patching has to be a process that is, is just made as simple as it possibly can be. And you have to have tiered levels. A critical is got to be patched faster than a high. A high has to be patched faster than moderate or medium. And moderate medium, medium need to patch faster than a low. And low has to be patched faster than an informa informational. What are, your, what are your clipping levels for all that? Even if you're the most budgetary restrained organization, a critical should not exist on your network. For longer than a month, I'll say that. You know, longer than a month would be bad. That's where we're at on this one. Longer than a month. And now, and now, the story you've all been waiting for. Oh, with bated breath. NPR is bringing us this one. 
TikTok ban averted. Trump gives Oracle-Walmart deal his blessing. There's another story about the, a, a court-ordered injunction to keep this ban on TikTok, TikTok, TikTok from going forward. Um, the source was not as reputable as I would like to have used, so I, I use this one from NPR. NPR is pretty reputable, whether you like it or not. Um, they do try to try to generally tell the story. They're going to throw their political slant in it as well, and we'll try to avoid too much of that. So the story from NPR says, President Trump has given his tentative approval that a deal that will keep TikTok alive in the U.S., resolving months-long confrontation between the hit app popularized by lip-syncing teens and the White House officials who viewed the service as a national security risk. And really what's at, at the center of this is when TikTok and ByteDance create, created this application, right? When this the application was created, the rules were set in place that if you're going to use it in the United States, that the data has to stay in the United States. The servers will be here. The data stays here. And that's the big thing. That's the thing that they got caught on. TikTok and ByteDance got caught several times moving the data from servers in the United States back to, back to China. I don't know if it was Beijing, but wherever they moved it back to. That's what the main point is here, right? And, and we first we first started talking about this. There, there was a lot of questions. Okay, okay, we know Facebook does this. We know Google does this. We know many of the apps based in the United States do this. They take your data and they do something with it, right? Alex is here this morning. Good morning, Alex. Nice to see you. They do they do something with it, right? They're going to do something with it. They're going to market your, your data. That's why anyone that, that goes and uses Google or Facebook or some of these combination of things, and maybe you search for, I don't know, an inflatable pool dinosaur, uh, it won't be long before in your newsfeed, you're going to see ads for inflatable pool dinosaurs. That's, that's how they make, that's how they make their money. That's how they make their, their cashola. Um, so the question has always been, why do we care that TikTok's doing it, but we don't care, essentially, that Facebook is doing it, right? And there's questions coming across. Um, how did they get caught moving the data, and how was it detected? That, Alex, I don't know. They, they didn't say how it was detected. I'm going to guess, um, I'm going to go on a limb here. And I, I'm going to guess it was our friends up at Fort Meade, known as the National Security Agency. But it's I've never I've never read how it was detected. Just that it was detected. Um, I don't know. I, I have not seen that. But that's a, a good point. How was it detected? Um, that's why I'm going to guess. That's just a pure guess. Our folks, folks up at Fort Meade, uh, up at the fort. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. If anybody knows, please let me know. I've I've read a bunch of articles on TikTok and this whole unfolding uh, drama. 
but I've never, I know it was detected, but no one would sort, source how it was, was detected. Who, who did the detecting? Um, that's, I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess that. That's a wild speculative guess though. So you move the data and that's the, the biggest thing is if you sign up for Facebook and a lot of people aren't going to read it, but there's that EULA that that agreement between you and Facebook, how you're going to use the application and how they're going to treat your information. And deep inside that user user agreement is a statement saying exactly how they're going to use your data, right? We're going to use your data for marketing. We're going to use your data for all these things that are nefarious, but we're putting it in this document that you're probably not going to read because it's a giant legal document. And I don't know, even the best of security folks that I know don't always read the EULA. Um, some folks do, and I'm glad they do because they'll normally point out, hey, did you know that this application is doing this? Uh, taking your data or whatever. It's important to, to think about that. Now, TikTok, on the other hand, didn't say that they would be shipping it back to China. Um, and it was one of the requirements that they kept this, the data in the States. So that that's the, that's the main sticking point on this, is data on people in the United States being sent back to China. And that was a million, million users, I think. It's in here somewhere. I'll have to, we'll get, we'll get to that. But Trump goes on to say, I have given my, this, given the deal, uh, my blessing. I approve the deal in concept. So as part of the deal rescuing TikTok, uh, U.S., U.S., Company Oracle joining hands with Walmart, um, and they're gonna they're gonna do this. They they're gonna they're gonna host all of this on Oracle's cloud, and Oracle has taken. They've said we will make sure that it's secure. We'll make sure that the data doesn't leave the United States. Um, Chris Kelly, former chief privacy officer at Facebook, says the interactions with the Chinese government. And the ability of the Chinese government to put pressure on ByteDance is still, still substantial after this merger. And we talk about the, the merger, the diver, divergence. Um, yeah, TikTok has more than 1 million active monthly users. It's owned by the tech firm ByteDance. Uh, Trump's been after them for months. We know this has been going on for months. Um, under the new arrangement, Oracle will host all of TikTok's U.S. user data and will safeguard TikTok's computer systems to ensure U.S. national security uh, requirements are fully satisfied, they've said in the statement. Um, Vanessa Pappas is the interim head of TikTok, uh, said in a statement on Saturday, while we strongly disagree with the implications that TikTok is a national security threat, uh, we nonetheless understand the concerns. We're pleased that today we've confirmed a proposal that resolves the administration's security concern and settles questions around TikTok's future in the U.S. So 
Trump wanted, you know, the White House, Trump wanted full divergence of TikTok. They wanted a U.S. company to fully own TikTok in the United States. Um, I don't think that I don't think that happened here. Um, Oracle CEO uh, Safra Katz said, "We're a hundred percent confident in our ability to deliver highly secure environment to TikTok and ensure data privacy to TikTok's American users and users throughout the world." So here's how here's how the story's going to go down. Here's how this this deal is going. Um, Oracle and Walmart are planning to own a combined 20% of the new TikTok uh, organization. Um, it's like TikTok Global, I think is what they're calling it. Something like that. They think that's what it's called. Um, so Walmart, Walmart says, uh, besides being a major investor in the new TikTok company, Walmart said that it will bring its e-commerce, and they've got this in quotes, retail capabilities to the app, which would allow TikTok users to shop Walmart through TikTok. That's going to be interesting. That may even be the death nail of TikTok there by itself. Um, more advertising in TikTok. Um, so 20% will be owned by Walmart and Oracle. ByteDance, Byte again, company owned by China, uh, will own about 80% of the company. But since 40% of ByteDance is owned by US investors in the company, TikTok Global, that's the company, new name, says it's majority owned by American investors according to a person who's familiar with the deal that hasn't been quoted. <clears throat> Still, ByteDance owning 80% of TikToks would, appear, would not appear to satisfy the recommendation of the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States known as CFIUS, CFIUS, uh, a panel led by the Treasury that examines U.S. business transactions with ties overseas. Trump signed an order in August requiring the ByteDance be completely divested from U.S. operations TikTok by November 12th. Um, the fate of that order is murky, uh, of course. The CFIUS guys are saying, they're really moving the goalposts here. Uh, ByteDance is still a, the biggest dog in this deal. The foreign control issue does not go away. So again, ByteDance is still owning 80%. I'd agree with that. If if the, the deal was to divest from China, they're, they're really not doing it with this deal. Even though ByteDance is 40% owned by investments from the United States into that company, uh, still Chinese-owned company. Um, see how Oracle does securing this thing. Oracle and Walmart say that TikTok deal will create more than 25,000 new jobs. I'm not quite sure how it's creating 25,000 new jobs and pay $5 billion in taxes to the U.S. Treasury. Those specific specifics were not provided, such as over what period would those taxes be, be paid. In addition, TikTok Global said that it will de develop an educational curriculum driven by artificial intelligence to teach children basic reading history and other subjects. AI to teach. You don't need to teach her anymore. You just have AI teach you. Trump said he's creating a, a commission to promote 
patriotic education, again in air quotes, or in quotes, to counter the teaching of American slavery and racism in classrooms. Um, again, I'm trying to, I don't know, definitely injecting politics into the issue here. Treasury officials say the deal still needs to be finalized by Oracle and Walmart. Uh, CFIS will also have to sign off on the agreement. I hope I'm saying that right. I've never dealt with this CFIUS. Um, TikTok plans to raise money ahead of the planned initial public offering on the stock market in less than a year. So what do you think? Do you think this has, has solved the problem? If we're, if we're worried about data being, if our main goal our main goal in this thing is worrying about data being taken from Americans and shipped overseas to China to be used for nefarious reasons. Does this deal solve it? Does having the data centers located in the Oracle cloud and being managed by Oracle security, does that solve the problem? Have we solved it here? And what do you think of Walmart? What's their, I love their quote. Walmart bringing its, re, I should remember this, bringing its retail capabilities to the application. How will Walmart's retail capabilities in this app be used? How does this help? How does this, another question that posed in this article a little bit is, Walmart is losing ground to Amazon. That's that's proven. Oracle is probably the fourth in the group of cloud service providers, right? It's easy to say AWS is probably in the top, right? So we talk about the top three, AWS, Google, and Microsoft, Azure Cloud. So those are the top three. I, I would debate anybody that those are not the top three. And probably number four, or maybe even lower, is Oracle. And Walmart, while it's a behemoth, is gigantic, it's losing a lot of market share to Amazon, right? So how does this deal help them, these two here, Walmart and Oracle, in those worlds? No, no, there's all kinds of stuff going on here. But the biggest thing is TikTok. Your friends, family, and coworkers still have TikTok up and running on their phone. So the base question for you security folks, security risk, cyber, is TikTok a big, big deal now? If this thing goes forward, <clears throat> is TikTok a big deal? Do we care about TikTok any more than we're going to care about Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or YouTube for that matter. Do we care more about TikTok? I'll say now, either now or after this deal. If Oracle is holding the data and we do we do we believe it's as as secure as Facebook? Do we do we think that the threat has diminished diminished now? That's what I'm gonna, that's what I'm questioning. What is what is the current threat of TikTok and what is the 
future threat of TikTok on your risk scale? That's what I'd like to know. That's what I'd like to know. So that's these guys. That's Oracle. That's Walmart. That's TikTok all coming at you on a Monday morning. Um, you can calm your friends, your family down. TikTok's not going away. The other question that I am going to bring TikTok back up there. Let's say TikTok was banned. Let's say last night at midnight, TikTok was banned. And, and they weren't, as far as I know, um, they weren't making you uninstall it. They were making it unavailable to be downloaded fresh. You couldn't get a new one. But you also couldn't get things like security updates. So does that make the platform more vulnerable by reducing people's ability to get updated patches? Sierra's saying no. Nope. And I think I'm going to go back to the question is, is TikTok as secure or is it more of a threat than Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever, Periscope, whatever you want to have on that side? And I think you're saying it's no, no more dangerous after, I'm saying after the merger. Um, I mean, my, my, I guess my point of, of contention with TikTok is if you have an agreement not to ship data to China and you ship data to China, you've broke that rule. That was an agreement. You, you've broken it. So if we fix that, do we, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question, right? All these, all these social apps have, all of the social apps should have the same question. What are you doing with my data? Um, I think it's Adam Ruins Everything. He's got a good, I'll see if dig it up. Adam Ruins Everything talks about what these folks, Facebook, I don't think he calls them out by, by name, but what these social media folks are doing with your data. Um, it's not good either. You know, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all these social media platforms are doing things. You probably, if the government did, if the, gov if the U.S. government did what Facebook does with your data, Americans would probably lose their mind. They would go crazy. But we do it. We willingly do it. Um, and we allow other, you know, we can be influenced by the articles that roll through our story. So uh, not just on TikTok, but on the all these social media, I, I challenge everyone to think critically about what they're reading. But anyways, that takes us to the end of the news. The news, news. So you need the water cooler story of the day. And today is World Gratitude Day. This is a day, and again, I stood at the top of the hour. You thank folks. You thank folks for what they do. I want to thank you guys for being here in the morning. I want to thank you guys for watching later in the day. I want to thank you guys for sharing with your friends, hitting that like button, hitting the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content comes out, liking this video, sharing with your friends. I think I said sharing with your friends. Um, doing what you do every day, going out there and fighting the good fight for security, cyber, and risk. If you're coming new to the field, if you're new, you're you're starting new, thanks for coming in the field. If you're one of our mentors, um, thanks for being a mentor. Thanks for getting that program up and off the, off the ground. And we're going to see that, that page go live today where you can sign up 
asking for a mentor or you can sign up to be a mentor, don't don't think you can't be a mentor because you probably can if you've been around a while, been doing this and you want to share your knowledge, your insight with others. Um, <laughs> Sierra, thanks for the work and steady content. You're more than welcome. I, it's always good to see you guys in the morning. That's That's why I do it. So we can all get together, pump each other up, ready to go out and take on the day. Um, I'll put that up. Thanks. And thanks. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for all your help, Alex, with everything. Oh, i got to wait for the, tick, the, the, the message to come across. Building a great group of cyber folks, all ages and knowledge levels. That's what you guys are. A great, you are. I, I see her. I jump on and say that wholeheartedly. This is a good, good group of people. Man, what a... What a team that's starting to be built here. What a group, what a community we're starting to have that are taking care of each other. Um, if I can be the facilitator of that, I am more than happy to get people connected and make things make things go forward. Let's push, push each other forward. Let's get each other to the next level. Let's take the next level of cyber people, risk people, security, info security people, or security people in general, and help them get to a better place than we are today. I think that's awesome. I think that's an awesome thing to do. So that being said, um, gotta clear the screen. Clear the screen, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for all you do. Take, go out there, go out there, take care of your friends, your family, your coworkers, your organization. Sierra's here this morning. She's gonna say, go get some. I know she is, she always does. Um, her and Mike, dynamic duo. Um, thanks for being here this morning. Go out and take care. Take care of your, your, everyone. Um, Eric's got a comment coming across. You gotta wait for it to hit the, hit there. Thanks for all your hard work and this contents. I'm just the facilitator, Eric, but I appreciate, and you are welcome. You are very, very welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here early, Eric's, Eric's, Eric, Paul, and, and, and Alex. You guys, I, I challenge the rest of you to be as, as, on it as they are. They are here early in the morning, ready to go. I don't see Paul's probably working today. So, um, Sierra, I knew she was going to say it. Go get some. You guys, great, great group of people. I didn't mention you by name. That's not, that's just an oversight. Uh, everyone, everyone that's on, I see a bunch of playbacks, a bunch of live concurrent views. That's awesome. Building, building a community is what we're doing here that's going to take care of each other. And we'll facilitate it through this cyber world that we live in. Uh, we'll build the infrastructure as we go, if we have to, to make sure that we can take care of each other. So that's my goal. We've got 168 hours till this time next week. Let's do what we can with this week. Let's take this week. Let's take it on um, and make things happen. You guys go out there and do great things. And I will see you tomorrow morning, same bat time, same bat channel, right here to talk about your cyber news of the day. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 7.30 Eastern time, right here on YouTube. Talk to you tomorrow.